Thank you so much for that warm welcome. I'm just going to jump right in because I, I feel the weightiness of what God wants to do here this morning. Um, as, as I prepared my heart for, for this morning, um, it, it became clear that God wants to speak to us about His voice in the midst of the church. And as I just contemplated on that, I realized that there are many other voices in our lives. Even those of us who are in local congregations, those who are in churches, that we are exposed to many other voices. And I hope that in the time that I have, that we can just have a look at some of these, these voices that we will come across in our lives. So we're going to go to uh, a couple of scriptures, but, but mainly in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 37. And, uh, yeah, if, I believe that we are not here because you thought it was a good idea this morning. We are not here by chance. I believe this is a divine appointment choreographed by God, God's Holy Spirit, to get us into this place for Him to speak to us in a very specific way. So I'm going to ask you to just prayerfully keep your heart open for whatever God wants to say to you this morning. So Mark chapter 6, verse 37 is all about Jesus now getting his disciples one side and they're going to feed 5,000 people, although they, although they don't know it at this stage, right? So we jump in at verse 37 and it says, But he answered them, You give them something to eat. This is after they said, Send them away, Lord, so that they can go buy their own food. Um, he says, No, you give them something to eat. And they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii's worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And if you, if you maybe got a, a new translation and you haven't noticed the sarcasm there, then it will be good to, to pay attention that they're actually being sarcastic, saying, this is what we have. How can we feed people on this? And, and then Jesus does something that um, I used to do when I had my company. I had a couple of companies. And, and if somebody didn't do their work the way I wanted it, I... I had this bad habit of saying, okay, just get out of the way. I'll do it myself. And, and <laughs> somebody relates to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, so here it is. Jesus says, you feed them. They go with what? And he says, okay, I'll do it myself. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And then he commanded them also to sit down in groups on the grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And, 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 and our government thought it was a new thing in COVID to divide us in fifties and hundreds um, and give us those limitations. That's the old thing. It's not a new thing. Um, it's actually the best biblical way of growing a church is in fifties and hundreds. It's right there. It's, it's nothing new. Okay. So don't feel despondent that we were down to groups of fifties or hundreds. That's the best way you can feed people and, and, and take care of them. Okay. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And there's God's grace again. Eh? You didn't want to do it. You messed up. You missed the opportunity. I'll do it myself, but I'll give you another opportunity to be part of it so that you can also feel that you have, have fed the people. And, and I believe God's going to give somebody a second chance today. 
you might have missed it the first time. You might have missed it many times. But God, by His grace, is actually going to say, you want to hand out the bread again? I'll put some in your hand so you can do it. Okay. And he divided the fish among them all, and they, they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. And then verse 45, it says, Immediately, immediately he made the, his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. And while he dismissed, while he dismissed the crowd, and after had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out at sea, and he, and he was alone on land. And he saw that they, were make, that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And once again, I feel that's very specific for somebody here today. Uh, I, f- I f- really feel one or two prophetic words for, for people here, and I feel that's one of them that where you find yourself at at the moment, is it really feels like the wind is, is, is right against you. Um, and, and life might feel difficult right now. Um, work might feel difficult. Uh, the lack of work might make it feel difficult. But I think God's going to speak to you today and just have your heart open here. And about the fourth watch, that's three, about 3 o'clock in the morning, just after 3, he, uh, about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. And I can just imagine a couple of hardened fishermen <laughs> seeing something like this for the first time. And they're shouting, oh Lord, but it's not because they believe it's Jesus. <laughs> they're shouting, oh Lord, because they think it's a ghost. Um, so, so God might speak to you in a way this morning that's, that's a bit unusual for you. Maybe he hasn't spoken to you in this way before, but don't put it off as not being God, just because you haven't seen him or heard him speak to you, you in this way before. Just be open for what he wants to say. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. And here's the verse I really want to get to, verse 52. And I want you to, to look at it in the context of the last couple of verses that we've read. It almost doesn't fit in. It actually almost doesn't fit in. It says, For they did not understand about the loaves, but their head, hearts were hardened. I mean, we're talking about them in the boat. We're talking of them being afraid. We're talking about Jesus getting into the boat. And then it says, For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And when we bring it back to the various voices that we have in the church, and we, we will look into it a bit more deeply now, you'll find the voice of God. That's why we're here. We want to hear the voice of God. But, but we also could have a preconceived idea of how the voice of God should come to us. We might have been trained. We might have been put in a box. Uh, we might have been just kind of brainwashed in church of how God speaks. And in this little portion of scripture we see God can speak in any way. And we need to be open and we need to pay attention to what it is that he wants to say. So we have the voice of God and immediately when God speaks right from the start in Genesis, the moment the voice of God is there, there's also the voice of deception. The enemy will always try and counter 
what God is saying to you, and he doesn't, he doesn't put inside, always put inside of us a hatred for the word of God. He puts inside of us a forgetfulness of what God has done for us. And, and in that way, we drift away from God and we tend not to hear what God has to say for us. But then, the, the, coming back to this verse that we just read, it's the, it's the voice of reason in the Christian's head that is the most dangerous. Because we try and, and we, we say that uh, this is a walk of faith, but we reason that it should be a walk of logic. That's how we approach it. It should be a walk of logic while it's a walk of faith. And not everything that God says or everything that God does is going to make sense to you because your brain is too small. And God is just so big. And often people will say, but I don't understand it or it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, hello? Even I can see why it doesn't make sense to you. So be open for what God wants to do. So let's just for a moment think about the voice of God. And I think maybe we could go to that scripture in, in uh, Exodus 3. I'm just going to highlight one or two things there because it's important that we, I think that's also one of the things that God wants to say to somebody specific here today. So we have, here we find Moses. Um, can we go to verse 2 first, please? Is it there? Verse 2. So we find here that Moses is in the desert. He's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And then there's a flame in the bush. And up till now, God has not appeared like that to man. And Moses is where somebody finds himself today. He was raised. He was saved from the, from, from the river. He was raised in the palace of the king. He was ready to inherit to become the next Pharaoh or, or the follower of Pharaoh. He was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And now he finds himself in the desert. And maybe, maybe that's, that's you. You, every, you had everything going for you. Life was a breeze. Everything you touched turned into gold. You almost went to work for Pam Golding. Um, but... but just because you wanted to be all by yourself and you wanted to make it yourself, you, you, you did your thing. And, and now you find yourself in a desert place, looking after sheep. It, the qualifications you have is far greater than what you need to be a shepherd. But God is saying to you this morning, if that's where you find yourself in the, de in the desert place, don't stop being diligent with what you are called to do. Because he's leading, he's, he's looking after sheep. Moses is looking after sheep, but he still leads them to better pastures. Even just looking at the, looking after sheep, it's, it's a menial job. I mean, David did that. And they forgot about him when they were looking for a king. And you might feel that everybody's going to overlook you, everybody's going to look past you, because you are now just looking after sheep or after babies. I'm not sure what it is you're looking after. Maybe you are, what's that uh, kindergarten thing? 
kindergarten father or something. It was a movie like that years ago. No, daddy daycare. It was daddy daycare. Maybe you're doing daddy daycare because you can't, you, you can't find a job right now. And I, I have appreciation for the fact that it's hard to find work. But find something to do and be diligent in that because as you do that, God will lead you to a place where he's going to speak to you. And while you're doing that menial task, be on the lookout because Moses walked, he saw a bush that was burning, but it was not burning out. And he could have said, yes, I'm not going there. But the Bible says he turned. He turned and he walked towards the bush. And, and today is that day for you. I really feel very strong in my heart that, that you've, been, you've been doing this menial task. You, you've been fighting with God because you were set up to be the next whatever. But circumstances, the headwind is against you. And God's saying, but you're too focused on the fact that, you've, that you didn't get your chance. You're too focused on the fact that you lost out. Turn away from it. And turn to this, this, this new way that God is speaking to you. You've, you've got God packaged. You've got everything in life so waxed that you also want to tell God how we should speak to you. And God now wants to speak to you from a burning bush. And he wants, to set, he wants to set the standards. He wants to set the parameters of how things are going to happen. So he's telling you this morning, take off your shoes. Because you're on holy ground. You see, he, Moses didn't go to the traditional church with the steeple. steeple and, and, the, and for that he knew that there was something going on. And no, he, stood, he stood at a bush. But because God was there, it was holy. And right now, where you are, God is here. Because He is here, we're in, we're in the presence of a holy God. And it might not be your shoes. Maybe you shouldn't take your shoes off. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but maybe there's something that you should take off to show reverence to God. Maybe it's your attitude. Because that might be stinking more than shoes. But there's something that you need to take off. And then God will reveal himself more and more to you. You, you could be in the middle of the desert and you're not even, you don't even know that you're standing in front of the mountain that will be called the mountain of God. He was at Horeb. That's going to be called Sinai. That is actually called the mountain of God. He's there before he knew where he was. That God will give him on that mountain the law. That God will speak to him like a man speaks to his friend. He didn't even know it. It didn't look familiar to him. But he surrendered to God and took off something to show that he is in awe, that there's reverence for the Holy God. Sometimes we are just far too clever. And God can't work or speak to us because we do not want to admit or acknowledge he's God. That's Moses. So let's go, let's go, let's go back to Mark chapter 6. So as I said, whenever God speaks, 
the voice of God comes, the voice of deception will come. So God said something, and then the devil will question it. Even before you walk out of this place. He did that with Eve. God said, don't eat of the tree. And he goes to Eve and say, said, did God say? That's the voice of deception. And what follows that? The voice of reason. Now she's trying to figure out exactly what did God say. Should I, should I misquote God and do what I want to do? And she's, the voice of reason kicks in because of the voice of deception has triggered that. And unfortunately, we find that in the church as well today. We find that in the lives of many believers where God speaks. And even before, that word is still echoing in the room. And the enemy is already bringing a word of deception and say, does God mean that? Is he actually speaking to you? Did that bold guy in front actually think that, that you're going to believe him? And unfortunately, God might not today be speaking through a burning bush. He might just be speaking through a bold colored guy. And it will change your life. Because it's not about me. It's about God speaking to you. It could be any bush. There is a very specific bush mentioned in the Bible, but, but it could be any bush. But it's about the voice of God. And I'm asking you, I'm really, uh, I'm actually, I want to be far further down the message, but, but somehow God is laboring that point here. That you need to open your heart, take off your preconceived ideas of how you want to receive God or how God should come to you. Take the limits off. And allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. Because if you think about it, if your ideas were that great, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in. So give God a chance. Give God a chance. The voice of God, the voice of deception. And then we find in, this, in, the, in the middle of the storm, as this whole thing is happening, there's the voice of God. But before Jesus speaks, the voice of Jesus, before Jesus speaks, there's fear and trembling coming in amongst his disciples. They are scared. They are so scared, I'm not allowed to use the word that goes before scared in a church setup. That's how scared they are. And Jesus is walking on water. Once again, he's doing something that's never been done before. Yet, According to them, no right to walk on water. They haven't seen this before. But he's walking on water, and because he's walking on water, they think it is a ghost. So I'm going to ask you today not to be in a hurry to make your decision on who or what it is, but to give God a chance to speak to you, to call you by name. If you think about Paul when he was shipwrecked, when he when he came out of the water, people already thought, eh, you survived that storm. I wonder what kind of sin is in your life if God had to deal with you in a, with a storm. And then he picks up the, 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 the wood, and there's a viper that latches onto his hand. And, and the, 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 the locals in the surrounding area goes, you must be a murderer. If God's so serious about killing you, you must be a murderer. They came to their conclusion too quickly. Because later on, he shakes the, the viper off into the fire and, and they go, he must be a God. So I'm asking you, 
not to come to your conclusion too quickly. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to, to work and to come over you today and to reveal the heart of God to you. And please, please, set aside your preconceived ideas of how you think God should operate. Because one moment he might be speaking out of a bush, the next moment he might be walking on water to show you that he's God. And then there's the voice of, of Jesus, but let's come for a moment to the voice of reason. I'd really like to just for a moment focus on that. Where, where it says here in verse 52, and they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. You see, they were on the land. They saw bread multiplied. They saw fish multiplied. They saw 5,000 men and then added to that women and children eat. And then they couldn't understand it. They, they, they couldn't figure out what was going on. So they were reasoning about this. They got into a boat and they were rowing a, against the wind and maybe not even noticing the storm because they're trying to figure out what just happened on the land. And they're trying to reason through a divine miracle. Because they missed the opportunity to be part of it. So here's the thing. I'm going to stretch your minds a bit today, maybe your faith. But, yeah, let's just do that. You might not invite me back. <laughs> but I'm going to trust on the fact that he publicly said that I'm his buddy. <laughs> so, so he set himself up. <laughs> but here's the thing. Keep in mind where we're at in verse 52. When, when Jesus wanted to feed the people, what did he say to them? He didn't, his first instruction was not, get me some bread and, and, and fish. He said to his disciples, you feed them. See, he said to them, you've seen me turn water into wine. You've, you've seen how I've done that. You have seen how I raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. You have seen how I made blind people to see. You've seen how I made the lame to walk. Now here's only 5,000 people and one street was to feed them. But that's about the equivalent. <laughs> and, and I wonder if instead of listening to the voice of reason, saying how do we feed 5,000 plus people with 200 denarii and the shops are closed. How do we feed them instead of having the voice of reason if they stepped out and said, if Jesus says we need to feed them, then surely he's going he's gonna to work through us to feed them. And they just missed out of being part of the miracle of feeding 5,000 people. Now for you, it might not be feeding 5,000. You might be you might leave this place today and you come across somebody who, who might be ill. You come across somebody who might be going through a difficult time. And God says to them, to you, you minister to them. Now I know the Bible says that if you are sick, call the elders. But before you call the elders, if God says to you, pray for them, why don't you pray for them? 
and first-hand experience the power of God flowing through you. Because if you watch what Jesus did, Jesus didn't do a, a, a fancy trick with the bread. No, he looked at the Father, and he prayed to the Father, and he gave thanks for the bread, and then he handed it out. And he used the same hands that he wanted to use in the beginning, and they handed out the bread. All they didn't do was, they didn't have the faith to take the bread, pray a blessing over it, and hand it out, as if it is enough for 5,000 people. And they missed out on a first-hand opportunity of feeling the power of God working through them. And I just wonder, I just wonder how many of us are sitting here, and because of the voice of reason, because we can argue well, because we can argue and reason well, we have missed out on opportunities to experience God's work firsthand. And now we're sitting here today. Now we're sitting here today and you, you know, you, you, get, you, get, you get a tree mentioned in the Bible, tree of knowledge, and the tree of life. And then you have later in the New Testament, the sycamore tree uh, that, that Zacchaeus was in. But, but you have developed your own tree. You've become a botanist. You've got your muff tree. And, and you're in this muff tree. You're in a muff tree because, and, and you have to grow it yourself because God didn't provide it for you. So you've grown your own muff tree and you've climbed up in there because you have missed opportunity. And that has been bothering you for a long time. Even to the point where you're now in a storm and you're rowing your guts out. And you haven't dealt with that issue. Now, now, as a golfer, it's much easier to be a Christian. Right? Because you said all your swear words out there. You can just come into the church and speak properly. But, but, but the point is, if you play golf, if you've hit a bad shot, you can't play the next shot thinking about the previous bad shot. If you do that, you can walk off the course, have a Coke light, and go home. Because if you do not forget about the previous bad shot, every shot will be a bad shot. And the same, the same in the church, the same in your walk with God, is that if you do not forget about that one moment when you missed it, and deal with it in, before God, you're going to battle with that for years to come, and many a Many uh, 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 what's it, anointed man or woman has been sidelined because of the voice of reason. Because of battling with issues in their head that they didn't settle in their heart. And God is calling you today to say, man, I'm just going to get in your boat. I'm going to sit down with you. The wind will cease. Forget about the fact that you didn't understand what happened to the loaves and bread. Now focus on what way I want to send you. There's this voice of reason that needs to be quietened in our hearts. Because it leads to a lack of faith. It leads to a lack of involvement. Before we know it, we have big congregations, but only 10 or 20% of them are involved in the life of the church. While the others are working hard at trying to figure out what happened to that fish and bread. 
Now, here's the thing. You might have messed up the first time. And as I said, Jesus gave them a second chance. They didn't have the faith to provide for the people themselves. But when Jesus provided, he handed it to them and gave them another chance to be involved in the miracle. And this, yeah, that we have here, building church, this, this is a miracle. To see people set aside time to come to, in the presence of God, to be, to be taught and to, and, and, and to get direction in their lives. There's, there's, there are millions of people out there that's, that won't do this this morning. So this is a miracle. And God's giving you another chance to be part of those who feed these people. So maybe I'm talking to somebody very specific here today. Because you know that God has put on you the ability to feed his people. But you're still figuring this thing out in the boat. And you're rowing and everybody's rowing in one direction. And you're rowing in a different direction because you're just so angry at God. God wants, to, God wants to stop you in your tracks today. As a matter of fact, as Jesus got into that boat, he's sitting next to you already. And he's saying to you, calm down. Don't run out of here. Surrender to me. And, and I really pray that you will come to a place today where you will surrender to God. Because he is the God of the second chance. So I've got a prophetic word for you. I got it in Hebrew, but I'll give it straight to you in English. Now, when God gives me a prophetic word, it speaks to me in Hebrew. And, and the English translation is for you this morning. Get over it. Just get over it. In case you didn't hear, get over it. You might have to get over yourself. You might have to get over an incident in your life. But you have to get over it and follow hard after God. So, let's bring this full circle. We've started with the voice of God. And we're going back into, we're coming back to the voice of God. There was the voice of deception. There was the voice of reason. There's the voice of Jesus coming in. And, and I know he's part of the Trinity, but let's go then back to the, the voice of the Father, if you then want to call it that. You see, the only thing that stops us from hearing the voice of the Father, the voice of God, or, or entering the presence so that God can speak, the only thing that prevents that is this word called sin. Sin prevents us. And you might say, but I, uh, I'm not in adultery. I'm not involved. I haven't robbed the bank. What other, what's the other big stuff? I'm also, I don't know why the Lord's saying, but I'll you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing the big five. There you go. There you go. There's one honest man in this place. But here's the thing. We often look at sin, like we look at the big five in Africa. We think that when, when, when foreigners come to our country and they, they want to see uh, wild animals or dangerous animals, they look for the big five. They want to see the, 
runner. They want to see the lion. They want to see the elephant and the tiger and what's that and buffalo. Whatever. Leopard, leopard, whatever. <laughs> buffalo. Okay. They want to see all that. I mean, I, for a long time, I thought I was part of the big five, but then they said I'm not. But they want to see the big five because the big five is dangerous and they can kill you. But most people in Africa die of malaria. Bitten by a mosquito. And, and sin is the same thing. We think that if we're not doing the big five, we're fine. But sin is sin. Could be in the, come in the form of a mosquito. But it can kill you. And so, so we need to look at sin the way that God looks at sin. Because if we don't deal with it, it will prevent us from accessing the presence of God. So let's just look at that quickly as we finish. Um, in Deuteronomy 5, I don't think I gave that scripture, but I'll just tell you about it. Deuteronomy 5, verse 25. Moses is now back at this mountain where he started before he actually knew anything about God. In, in, in that sense that he experienced God by leading people. He's back at, at this mountain. And now God is speaking, not through a burning bush, but God is speaking from a burning mountain. There's smoke everywhere. There's fire everywhere. And the rest of the people says, says something similar to this now. Therefore, why should we die? That's the people saying, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. You can already see there's a fear of God, but it's not coming from a sense of the awe of God. It's as being scared of God. What's the reason? Sin. So they say this wonderful thing. If we hear the voice of the Lord, our God, anymore we shall die. I mean, that's, that's the voice of deception. Because we need to hear the voice of God. So what happens is, if we can get the next verse, if that would be helpful. Um, verse 26. Do you perhaps have that? Any moment now? There you go. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out in the midst of the fire as we have and have still lived? Has still lived. You see, there's this fear of God, but it's not rooted in the awe of God. In the fact, it, and later you'll find they say to Moses, so we tell you what? We won't go to God, but you go and hear what he's got to say. I, I mean, I mean, how holy is that? That we don't want to go into the presence of God because we might die. But you go, and if you die, it's okay, don't worry. It's a good cause. It's a good cause. But we find that in the middle of that, that fire, in the middle of that, that smoke, Moses, one man, turns and he walks towards the fire. He walks towards the smoke. He walks towards the, the voice, the thundering voice of God. He walks towards him because he's got a relationship with him. And God is so holy that his holiness will consume the sinfulness in us. But he will make us righteous. So, so what needs, God, God will kill 
God will kill the, the unrighteous with his holiness. But if you have a relationship with him, if you, if you turn like Moses turned the first time, if you turn, focus to God, and move towards God, God will give you direction. Here's the thing. Talking about second chances. God invited his people to come into covenant with him. They, prefer, they, they despised covenant and preferred sin, so he gave them the law. They were invited to covenant, but because of the actions, they got the law. God is inviting you once again to covenant. God is inviting his people again, and maybe you have been in covenant with God, and you've stepped out of covenant. You have, you have distanced yourself from what God has been saying or calling you to. Is the God of the second chance. And he gives you another chance today to step into what he has called you 17 or 18 years ago. So this morning I believe our response should be I surrender all. I believe God is calling us this morning to a response that says God I repent of my, my stubbornness. God I repent of the fact that that I want to reason through something that, that I should take by faith. It should include something that, please forgive me. Please forgive me for hardening my heart and walking away from the burning bush. And then there should be something in your life, something inside of you screaming out, Lord, take me. Take me to the rock that is higher than I. Plant my feet on that rock and grant me the grace to live in the fullness of everything you have for me. He's the God of the second chance. 